Luke chapter 9, verses 28 through 36. And um, as you're turning there, let me uh, let me pray for us. Uh, God, I pray that you would use this time um, to be fruitful for listening to you and for hearing more about your heart and who you are and who Jesus is. God, I pray that you'll tune our hearts to you and make it clear um, what you're what you're saying to us and what you want us to do about it. In Jesus name. Amen. Luke 9, verse 28. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with them and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, were very sleepy. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving, Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let's put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. He didn't know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son whom I've chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone and the disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. When I was reading the story, four people came to mind. Person number one is a friend of mine. And we were talking recently about scripture. He's not a Christian. And he has said really clearly at several points, um, I just can't believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I was raised differently. And it was just pounded into me that there's only one God. God doesn't have any sons. And I just, I just can't, I can't believe, I I can't make that step to say that Jesus is the Son of God. I think He was a great man. He was brilliant. He is a prophet, but Son of God. That's just a, that's a leap for me. Person number two, her name's Darcy. Some of you know Darcy. First met Darcy at the Junior Chamber of Commerce. And she was searching for God at the time. And she was attracted to Jesus, she told me, because of the way a man described Jesus to her, like a, a Brita water pitcher. She says our lives are all dirty and, and wrecked and, and unclean, and Jesus is like this Brita filter. And we are poured through this filter, um, and we become clean, we become pure, and Jesus makes us that way. Darcy wasn't a believer in Jesus. She just thought, that sounds really great. And I want some of that. What was really interesting is Darcy became part of Storyline and started a journey with us that she really struggled while she liked the, the benefits of relationship with Jesus. She really struggled with uh, the part of Jesus' lordship, the part that included responsibility or commitment. Because every time we talk about now, Darcy, when, are you going to lay it on the line? 
Are you going to give your life for this? To have that Brita kind of experience. And she would just have to say, I'm, I'm just not ready to do that. It's just not something I'm ready to do. Person number three is uh, a business executive. Uh, he's a hard man to work with. Um, he is sometimes deceitful. Uh, he went to prison for fraud for a couple of years. And his heart is full of prejudice. Um, whether it's against the gay community or against women. And yet this man would say, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Person number four is a missionary friend of mine who recently told me that in a season of her most intense missionary work, she was completely disconnected from God. She wasn't reading scripture. She didn't really have a hunger or thirst for God. And her life was crippled with anxiety. And yet this missionary, of course, of all people, would say, absolutely, yes, I believe that Jesus is the the Son of God. Those four people came up into my mind as I was reading this story about the transfiguration of Jesus. Because I think they represent a couple types of people. Uh, one type of person is the kind of person who would say, you know, it's, I just can't do it. I can't, I can't say that I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Maybe something else, but I, I just can't believe it. The second type of person is a person who would say... Yeah, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, but their life does not reflect that confession of faith. They're not living like Jesus is the Son of God. And really, at the end of the day, these two types of people aren't a whole lot different than each other. Because they both fail to take Jesus seriously on some levels. I think that there's, there's some of us... Um, or there's some of those two types of people in all of us to some extent. Either the person who struggles to believe that Jesus is the Son of God or the person who's ready to believe it and admit it, but yet lives a life that's contrary to that confession of faith. The focus of Luke 9 is all about Jesus' identity, who Jesus is. Uh, even leading up to this chapter apart on the transfiguration and this crazy story about what happens to Jesus up on this mountain. Uh, in verse 18 and 19, we, we see who the crowds are saying Jesus is. They say he's a prophet or Elijah or, or John the Baptist or somebody. They're, they're confused about who Jesus is. And then we see who the disciples say that Jesus is. They, Peter in particular says, Jesus is God's Messiah. But yet even their admission there uh, is not completely on target. They understand Jesus not completely right because Jesus has to go on to say that, well, the kind of Messiah that you think I am is not exactly the same kind of Messiah. And I'm actually going to have to suffer and die. I'm not going to bring in political conquest and revolution and eradicate the Roman Empire in other gospel stories, Luke, uh, Paul, uh, Peter has a really hard time with that. And Jesus has to rebuke Peter because he just can't see that that would be Jesus' identity. That the, the Son of God, the Messiah, that he would suffer and die. So even then, Jesus' identity is still being wrestled over. Some are saying, is he a prophet? 
Is he Elijah? Others are saying, well, you're Messiah, but you're this triumphant political leader and revolutionary and victor of a Messiah. And then we get to this text about the transfiguration where we hear from God himself who Jesus is. And you can imagine, this is a crazy story. They go out and Luke is trying to connect this story to what's gone because he says, eight days later, eight days after this conversation was taking place about who Jesus is, this is what happened. So what's happening is going to set up something in connection to the identity of Jesus. They go up on this mountain. The disciples fall asleep. And Jesus is praying. I wonder what Jesus was praying about. Maybe in light of all this conversation, he was praying Please help my disciples, help your your children to know who I am. Because it's muddled for them right now. Help the crowds reveal yourself through me as you will, God. And as Jesus is praying that, that's what he's praying. Something starts to happen, right? Uh, He starts to change. All of this radiance starts to emanate from him. I don't know if you remember the Super Bowl commercials, Pepsi commercials. Where, you know, it'd start with like little Richard uh, in a room and he would zip down his face and like Britney Spears would step out. Y'all remember those commercials? I just imagine like Jesus in prayer and then just like zipping down and the glory of Jesus just like steps out. The, the Jesus that was full of splendor and lightness and glory and just uh, coming out in radiance. And then um, the, the, the spirit and people of, uh, of Moses and Elijah start to join him, representing the law and the prophets, kind of coming alongside of Jesus and Jesus being the fulfillment of all that they stood for. And then the disciples start to wake up to see this is a different side of Jesus. This is like something's going on here. Something is This is this is amazing. This is glory we haven't ever beheld. And as they start to come to this cloud surrounds them and it gets really foggy, except for the radiance of Jesus in front of them. And they hear this deep rumbling voice. This is my son whom I've chosen. Listen to him. So they're having this experience and all of this, all of this story is leading to this point where Jesus is revealed in his glory. And it boils down to this phrase. God saying, this is my son whom I've chosen. Listen to him. That, those three words are really the punchline of all of chapter nine. The whole reason all of this is happening The whole reason Jesus zips out and, you know, comes out in glory is so that God can say, listen to him. He is my son. He's the fullness of deity. So you should listen to him. There's a story told of a guy named Thomas Carlyle. I think he's some famous guy in the 19th century. I actually have no idea who he is, but it's a cool story. Just wait. Um, He's on his deathbed. He's very ill. And someone reads to him the words of John 14, where Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. I've gone to prepare a place with many rooms for you. And this guy on his deathbed just kind of yells out to Jesus. Uh, And and he says, if you were God. If you are God, then you're right to say what you said. 
But if you're just a man, who are you to tell us what to do? Um, How do you know any better than anybody else what we should do? And I think that's what's at stake. There is something really important about uh, the identity of Jesus for us. Because if Jesus is just a dude, if he's just a prophet or just a teacher, then we don't have to take what he says quite as seriously as if um, he's the fullness of God. If he is the fullness of God, the son of God, then we have to listen to him. Then we have to pay attention. We have to take him seriously or take seriously the consequences otherwise. You know, this word for listen to him. Listen to him. That word listen doesn't just mean hear. Uh, It doesn't mean just compute through your cognitions. This word for listen is used time and time again throughout the Gospels to mean obey. Obedience. It's not just God saying listen to him. God is saying listen and obey. Listen and respond. Listen and do something about what you hear Jesus telling you to do. This is what God says to each of those four people. To my friend who just can't bring himself to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. God says, this is my Son whom I've chosen. Listen to him. To to Darcy who likes the Salvation and the benefits that might come from knowing Jesus, but is gun shy about commitment and obedience and response. God says, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. To that business executive who lives a life of deceit and prejudice. God says, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him, to the missionary mom who's disconnected from God, who's crippled with anxiety. God says, this is my son whom I've chosen. Listen to him. God says to each of us about Jesus in this text, this is my son whom I've chosen. Listen to him. Now there is a third type of person. There is uh, the type of person who believes that Jesus is the Son of God and lives in a way that is consistent with that confession. So there's a person who would not believe that Jesus is the Son of God. There's a person who would, but wouldn't live in a way that's consistent with that. There's also the kind of person who confesses Jesus is the Son of God and lives like they really believe that. And I think that's the kind of people that all of us want to be, um, especially in the storyline community. We want to be the kind of people who, lives, who live lives that are consistent with our confession of Jesus as Lord and as the Son of God. People who, who act like we actually do listen to what God is saying, which is why when you're a partner in mission and storyline... The, the foundation of our discipleship and the thing that we come back to again and again and again. It's the two questions around which all that we do really revolve. And that is, 
What is God saying? And what am I going to do about it? And asking those questions again and again, because answering those questions never gets old. There's always something to hear from God about. And there's always some way we need to respond to God about that. So I just ask you, as I ask myself, who's Jesus to you? What type of person do you want to be? Uh, One thing that has really struck me as I've reflected and asked these two questions about this story is that I don't um, and or haven't quite some time listened really closely to the words of Jesus and really like read the Gospels and just consumed all of the things that Jesus said. And so one thing I sense God leading me to do was to do that. And this next week, I'm going to consume the red letter parts, right? The words of Jesus. I'm going to go with the Gospel of Luke because that's what this text is in. I already got a head start. Uh, But I want to give you, I want to invite you to join me in that. If you sense God calling you to listen to Jesus more deeply, pick up a Gospel this week with me. And read through, read the, if you've got a red letter version, that will keep you, I mean, you can, you can go right to the parts that are, maybe there's some online resource or something that would just red letter it all the way down, right? And, and Mark is the shortest gospel, so if that's important to you, you can go there, right? Only 16 chapters there. I want to encourage you to pick up a gospel this week with me and read and ask yourself those two questions as you read. What is God saying to me? What grabs my attention? And what am I going to do about it? How does my life need to change? And I will suspect that if you take this seriously, some of you might not get past the first or second chapter because you'll get bogged down in what God is trying to get your attention about through the words of Jesus. Um, so I'll send out an email about that and uh, we can we can uh, journey together and maybe even maybe even share some of our experiences in that. Uh, we're going to have opportunity for the rest of our time in worship tonight just to, to listen to God and to try to be the type of people who, when we see Jesus in his glory, confess that he's the son of God and live in a way that's consistent with that confession.